Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts. Leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up, real MVPs, Ricky Widmer here, along with the Mark Weber. What's And we are back for another edition of the Onside Kick right here on Most Valuable Podcast, your one-stop shop where we talk about everything going on in the NFL week after week. And I know what you guys are thinking. You're sitting there going, guys, you weren't on video last week. You did a call-in podcast because Mark couldn't be there. I thought I was going to see you guys yet again this week, but yet again, I am looking at the logo. What is going on? Another call-in podcast for this week, but it doesn't matter. It did, we do so well each week that we're just doing another call-in. Schedules didn't work out, but we wanted to give you guys something here because, Mark, it is finally, we will never have a podcast segment until February, I want to say, where we're not yeah. talking about football games this year. Yeah, this is finally when we can get excited about things because, you know, I mean, preseason's all right, but you can never care too much about that. Um, this is finally when we can get excited about some actual football because, you know, depending on when people are, are first checking out this one, there might already be a game, you know, if they're, if they're watching it mm-hmm. Thursday night or later. Uh, there's actually something going on. I mean, this is perfect. This is what we've been waiting for. And we got a jam pack for a jam pack show for you guys this week. We're going to be talking about. I know Dave and Sean did a little bit of a bear sided reaction. Being big Bears fans, a lot of us at MVP are. I'm probably the only non Bear fan, um, along with Brandon. But Brandon's still a Bear fan, so I'm the only one that has no affiliation to the Bears with MVP. They were excited about getting Khalil Mack over the weekend. We are going to look at Khalil Mack, but on the side of the Raiders, what the hell are they thinking? Then we're going to look at the interesting situation going on in Buffalo with their starting quarterback, Nathan Peterman, getting the starting nod. We're going to kind of see what's going on with that. And then the last topic we'll do before our week one picks will be what should we expect from Sam Darnold? He will be the only rookie quarterback to start week one. He will be doing that on Monday night against the Detroit Lions for the New York Jets. And then, like I said, we're going to end our podcast with our week one picks for this week in the NFL. But, Mark, let's start off with this Khalil Mack trade. And before we get into everything, just to kind of put the trade out there, this was from Adam Schefter over the weekend. According to his source, the Bears got Khalil Mack, They got a 2020 second-round pick from the Raiders and a conditional 2020 fifth-round pick. The Raiders from the Bears got a 2019 first, a 2019 sixth, a 2020 first, and then a 2020 third-round pick. I know we're going to talk about the Raiders, but really quickly at the beginning, because you're a Bears fan and because you weren't able to give your two cents 
on the topic that day or that Sean and Dave did. What were your initial thoughts when your team got Khalil Mack from the Raiders? Yeah, you know, I, I heard some people kind of kind of talk about it and, and some rumors that not as not even fully rumors. I mean, just like people kind of hoping, I think is more what it was um, that the Bears could be an option. They could be a team that that would do it. Um, and I didn't buy it. You know, there was more people, more people talking about, well, the Packers are probably going to go for it. And I was kind of, I was a little prepared for that to maybe happen, but I was also pretty set of like, come on, there's no way the Oakland Raiders will do this. Like they can't, I mean, this is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. There's mm-hmm. no way they're going to let him go when he's so young that you have to keep him. I actually, because, you know, I'm an old person and I go to sleep at a decent hour. Um, I woke up to to the news um, via a text from Sean. Actually, Sean had had texted out about it, and then I looked up some information, and I was just shocked, shocked that this would be something that was even possible, um, that this was an option. And you know, you you think about this defense, which is already a top ten defense, and it's just so exciting because you make a top ten defense even better. Not only is it just a player that's going to dominate, but it's a player who will make everybody else on that defense better in turn. So, you know, people sit there and they're like, yeah, what's Khalil Mack going to do for the Bears? And I'm like, honestly, I don't really care what Khalil Mack's going to do, like his stat-wise, because he's going to do his thing. Mm-hmm. But he's going to get double teamed and all that type of stuff. I care about all of a sudden what Leonard Floyd's going to do. You know, what Roquan Smith can do now, what Goldman can do. I care about what those guys get to do because now they're going to get help. And pass rush has been something that's been a weakness in this defense. Um, It's been okay, but it's been a bit of a weakness. So now it's just going to be something where you don't have to think about it. You know, you don't have to be concerned. And that's going to be huge for this team. That's that's young. And I think the one thing – this isn't a Bears topic, so I won't dwell on the Bears too much, mm-hmm. but the one thing that really cements it in for me is Ryan Pace isn't kidding around. You know, he is saying the John Fox era was the rebuild. The rebuild is done. We are here. We are now a team that competes for the playoffs. You know, that's what he's doing with this. He's He's got his idea. He's shown that he's aggressive, and people have had questions about certain things he's done but he showed that he believes in things and he's going to make it happen. And I appreciate this final sentiment of no, look at everything we did in this off season. The Chicago bears rebuild is finished. It's time to actually start competing for the playoffs Well, and, and beyond. Yeah. And I mean, now to move on a little bit, like you said, not to dwell too much on the bears. Cause if you guys want to hear all about that, the 34 plus minutes, you guys can go check out the segment that, Dave and Sean did over the weekend that is now live on the YouTube channel and like iTunes and podcast services around the world. But the thing that we'll look at is the Oakland Raiders, because the thing that confuses me, there's two things like first, I was reading an article earlier today from silver, silver and black That's the SB nation site for the Oakland Raiders. And like, Their writer, Levi um, Damien, he put it, and I'll read it here. Initially, it was thought that the Raiders received a couple first-rounders and perhaps a player or another high pick. 
not only did they not get a player or a high pick, this part, this last sentence he puts in all caps, they sent the Bears a second-round pick along with the best defender in football. Not only that, you look at other articles where um, they were talking to the GM of the Raiders, Reggie McKenzie, and his quote was, my whole thought process was to get Khalil signed. It was at the end, in the final hour, that it just hit. It hit hard and heavy. It was not a plan to trade him at all. And I think to myself, I'm like, so if it was, like, that's the thing that I don't understand with the thing I need a question answered, and I don't have this answered after reading that quote, is you're the GM of the Oakland Raiders. If you didn't want to trade Khalil Mack, why was a trade made? To me, it should feel like the GM should be the guy, unless like it was a thing where um, ownership was like, no, we got to trade him. We're not going to pay him. It should never be that the coach goes, no, trade him. No, the GM should have the say over the coach. The only way Khalil Mack should have been traded is if ownership told Reggie McKenzie, no, we are trading him. Get it done. Or, hey, we got it done behind your back. I'm not going to say anything went down. That just confuses me. Like, you're the GM. You want to get him signed. Go get him signed. Like, why was a trade made? What do you think is going through the Raiders' minds and why this even happened on an Oakland side? I, ooh, there's so much to so It's much so to much to unpack. To we may into. be here all night. Um. Yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad that we're calling in for this one because you know <laughs> it's it's going to be a late night, but it, it's interesting. And and you you mentioned McKenzie, um, and the the thing that fascinates me from the get go with this after this happened, people were saying John Gruden and Khalil Mack had never talked mm-hmm. since John Gruden came here. They never had a conversation, and then going further into that. People were saying that McKenzie wanted to keep him. That John Gruden, from I don't know if it was from the get go or from early on, um, very beginning or just early enough, that he was saying maybe we trade Khalil Mack. You know, he was the guy who supposedly was saying we should do this early on, is what was being reported. Then McKenzie says, you know, that it essentially was just a last minute thing that they just weren't getting it done, and the Chicago Bears' offer was just too good to pass up. Then you go even further into John Gruden um, saying basically that, no, no, it it wasn't him. He didn't want to do it, you know, and he kind of starts to put the blame on Reggie McKenzie. And from the get-go with this this organization, with this coaching regime of John Gruden, the guy they're attached to for 10 years now, um, and he has partial ownership of the team now, um, he is already – starting this bickering kind of back and forth. And, and he can go either way, whichever one you want to talk about, mm-hmm. of like who's really in control. And when he first got there, they were saying that the personnel decisions would be collaborative. They would all be involved at that, which makes you wonder like who really has control of these personnel decisions. Was that mm-hmm. just saving face for McKenzie to be like – you know, oh no, yeah, it's still collaborative. I'm still in there, guys. Don't worry. When in reality, John Gruden says, "Yeah, you can sit in the room if you'd like, but you make sure you don't talk." Um, 
you know, what is that? Because this does not seem like something that would come, that makes sense. Uh, it doesn't make sense from either standpoint for sure, but it certainly doesn't make sense for a coach like John Gruden who made his name by having strong defenses uh, and other things as well, but he always had good, strong defenses. Is going to immediately come in here and be like, yep, let's get rid of the best defensive player on our team mm-hmm. and possibly the best pass rusher one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. So that's just such a shocking thing um, to see. Now to move into something else um, beyond that and whether John Gruden's hire was a good move, whether his personnel decisions are a good idea, no matter how influential he is in that. um, It's interesting because one of two things, I, I go back and forth on how I look at this. You look at the draft with PJ Hall, with Arden Key, with Mo Hurst, in the draft, they hit the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Two defensive tackles and a defensive end. They went in there and they got guys who they thought were going to be good. And, you know, they got Bruce Irvin and stuff like that. They've got good players. They had Khalil Mack, who makes everybody better. I think that, like, wouldn't a guy like Arden Key play better learning from Khalil Mack or Hall and Hurst? Wouldn't they play better with Khalil Mack being on the field at the same time as them? You know, these young type of guys who got some things to learn. Mm-hmm. You have that. like, But maybe it's also this part of they really do think that, hey, Arden Key's going to be really good. He's going to be a really good defensive end. We believe in him. Not that he's going to replace Khalil Mack right now, but he'll do well enough with some of these other pieces we got as well mm-hmm. that we can survive without paying this guy this high price because, you know, the thing that I look at when I when I think about the Raiders side of this is the opposite of the Chicago Bears. Ryan Pace said with this move, the rebuild has finished. We are ready to compete. We are here to win Super Bowls. You know, that's what we're thinking about. I think actually it was just today that uh that Nagy, I think it was, that was saying, you know, every day we think about winning a championship. That's what we think about. The flip side now with with Oakland and with John Gruden is I think this is their way of saying this guy's going to demand a lot of money. Our team does not have all the pieces it needs. We just got this new coach. You know, we've got all these pieces to work through and these things to work through. We can't afford to pay this guy too much money. Let's get a couple of first-round draft picks, and let's use those to build more pieces and I kind of look at it as the Raiders saying we need to go back and we need to rebuild. We are not ready yet. Mm-hmm. And they are hit, not necessarily hitting the hard reset button, but they're not that far from it. You know, with how hard they hit the defense in this just past draft and how they kind of got these old veteran players that I'm assuming that this next draft, you know, offensively, these veteran players – I'm assuming that this next draft, they're going to go and get some young offensive players to learn from these veterans or something. Um, you know, it, it just, to me, it seems very obvious that this what, what's happening right now, whether it's McKenzie, whether it's Gruden, some combination of both of them are sitting there and saying, our team is not where we want it to be. We don't have the right pieces and we need to do whatever it takes in order to reset and get 
the vision that we have. And I think with that type of a mindset, it's got to be a pretty heavy John Gruden decision mm-hmm. of saying, I need my type of guys. I need my mindset. He needs his Gruden grinders, right? Mm-hmm. Apparently Khalil Mack was not a Gruden grinder. Um, and they're going to do whatever it takes. And for any Raiders fan that had high hopes for this team, I think now after this trade, you sit there and all of a sudden you're like, well, I thought maybe the Raiders would win six, seven games, but hey, maybe we're looking at four or five wins now. You know, it definitely puts a different context to where this Raiders team is at. Well, and I mean, the thing that I'm sitting at is this deal was done. Like you're mentioning John Gruden's name a lot, and that's exactly it. Like you mentioned earlier, he can try to pass the buck to Reggie McKenzie and Reggie McKenzie could then try to pass the buck back to him. This deal was made by John Gruden. And one of the quotes I saw today, I can't remember where it was on Twitter. It was basically, how do you not have the money to pay for Khalil Mack? You give John Gruden the contract that you gave him over 10 years. That's how you don't have the money to pay Khalil Mack. And to me, I've always felt like, like you said, they weren't talking in the beginning. John Gruden never wanted Khalil Mack on this team. Never wanted him on this team. He's not a Gruden grinder or just a Gruden guy that was going to be on this Raider team. The big thing is, why didn't you get more out of the trade? Which we'd be talking in circles about what they could have got, what they should have got. But the Raiders right now kind of almost remind me of the Timberwolves in the NBA. Where the Timberwolves have Tom Thibodeau, who's their head coach who is also the president of basketball operations and their GM, which is Scott Layden is kind of like only an advisor to Thibodeau. He's not really in my mind, a GM where that's what this move reminds me of where it was like John Gruden made the call on this. Reggie McKenzie had no say in this. And for the Raiders, like you said, they got to hit on these draft picks because Especially next year, they're going to have two first-rounders. They're going to have their own in the second round, and then they'll have their own in the third round. They'll pick up the only additional pick is that six-round pick. The question is, do you believe in the guys that— do you believe in John Gruden drafting in the first round? And the reason why I say that is think back to this past draft— Gruden sent the 10th tenth, tenth selection to Arizona where he got a first, a third, and a fifth. And then when he made that selection, he went ahead and took Colton Miller where there were numerous guys I would have taken above Colton Miller. I don't know. Guy who went two picks below him and Derwin James would have been nice. A guy who went 18 to the Packers in... Jair Alexander would have been nice. Hell, a guy who went to the Cowboys who could have been a pass rusher for you in Leighton Vander Esch would have been a good choice. Like, that's also a thing that I look at is, yes, Gruden got a first-round pick, but what are you now going to do? Is the plan to use both picks? Is the plan to maybe, depending on where they are, because if the Bears are a better team— their draft pick is going to go down. And if the Raiders are going to try to win games, which 
That's the goal of every team in the NFL to win games. If you're a middle of the pack team, then your first round pick might not be, it might be both picks within the early to late teens. What is that going to mean? Then are you going to take two and going to try to trade up? Like what is the game plan going forward? And for me, I have a hard time seeing the roadmap to success for the Oakland Raiders, because like the guys you mentioned on defense that they picked up, I do like, like I like, uh, Hurst, I like Key, I like PJ Hall, but are they going to be ready right away? Or do they think, hey, we didn't need Khalil Mack to be that veteran. We've got Bruce Irvin, who has won championships and have been with the Legion of Boom, who can be that veteran on the front line for those guys who are going to be coming up behind him. My biggest issue, though, with this is what's the roadmap? What is the plan for John Gruden and the Raiders moving forward? Well, the good thing for for Gruden is that he's got time. Mm -hmm. He's got 10 years. Yeah, I mean, if they get rid of him, they're still going to pay him for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of security and safety Mm -hmm. in that. And, you know, the funny thing for me is is the thing I kept saying in predictions videos and and when we do our, our hold us to them and stuff like that, is that I actually thought that John Gruden, I, I think that it's just a little outdated. I, I don't think he really has a, a good plan, and I think it's going to fail on him. Mm-hmm. But I would kept saying that I didn't think that year one was really where it would completely fail. And now I sit there and I'm like, well, I don't really see what they've got going on for year one. I mean, you mentioned Bruce Irvin, as I did as well, as a good player mm-hmm. on that defense, but you added the extra detail, the Legion of Boom, and it's like, yeah, of course Bruce Irvin's going to be an amazing player when he's on the best defense. He's the kind of guy who greatly would benefit from mm-hmm. Khalil Mack, you know, and now he has to be the best player defensively on that team and he's not used to that. He's used to being around a bunch of studs. Mm-hmm. Even when even when the Seahawks kind of sort of started to fall apart a little bit, he still was around a bunch of studs. And now there's nobody. You know, there's nobody but him. And that's going to be an issue. That's going to be a problem. So I sit there and I look at this defense, which isn't very good, uh, and not anymore. I look at this offense, which is okay. Like it's a good offense. They got a good quarterback. They've got good weapons. But those weapons are weapons that were good three, four years ago. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of question marks about how they're going to compete now, this year. And it's just difficult to see this team doing well. So all of a sudden where I was like, yeah, they'll have a good year, but then they'll take a step back. It's like, no, they're going to quite potentially kind of bottom out immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a team that now I'm looking at them and thinking they're like a four-win team. Um and that roadmap for the future, fortunately, they've got draft picks. But you mentioned Colton Miller, which is a big surprise, and a lot of people were sitting there going, uh, that's not a first-round talent that yeah, you're I drafting right now. And uh, you have that, and you got a lot of draft picks. But what a lot of people were kind of being, you know, I shouldn't say a lot of people, it was Packer fans, you know, essentially, that needed a reason to uh, – feel good about week one they were making fun of the bears uh for for losing draft picks and they're like oh yeah you didn't want to use those draft picks you know the bears lost draft picks with uh with trubisky when they got him 
when they trade up for Anthony Miller, you know, you know, Pace has been aggressive with his draft picks, mm-hmm. not afraid to use them. And the problem with that, with the problem with being so stuck on draft picks, um, I don't remember who it was that said this one, but there was a, I think it was a former player on Twitter that immediately said that he was glad to see someone in the NFL finally not overvaluing draft picks. You know, when the flip side is that the Raiders are way overvaluing draft picks. Yeah. Because a draft pick, you have to get you have to get it right, and there's mm-hmm. no guarantee that you are, and quite often you get it wrong. And it doesn't have to be that the player is a complete bust like a Jamarcus Russell. It could be that it is a good player, but they get hurt a little too much, or they really never quite lived up to that potential. It's very easy to go wrong with these draft picks, but there's no guarantee. And maybe John Gruden and his scouting staff is really going to do a great job of finding these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you know, John Gruden is good at scouting. That's something that he does a very good job at. But, you know, it's not just a, is this a good player? You have to have the luck on your side as well. Mm-hmm. And that's difficult when you're, drafting what will probably be a 21, 22-year-old and hoping that they translate to the NFL as well as they should. Well, another so th- it's kind of, it can be a rough road. Another thing, too, that um, that Silver and Black Pride article mentioned that was kind of a head-scratcher on draft day as well were so they get the three picks from the Cardinals, like I mentioned. The 15th they use for Col- Colton Miller the 79th and the 152, which is a third and a fifth. Then later on, third day of the draft, they go ahead and trade their third round pick, 75th overall, that 152nd pick, the fifth rounder they got from Arizona, and a sixth rounder to move up basically from 75th to the 65th to take Brandon Parker out of North Carolina A&T. It's like... What do you do? Like, what are you doing? You're trading three picks for a guy from a small school. And the thing I find funny is, especially with their first three picks, we could be looking back three years from now and being like, man, Oakland missed out because Colton Miller, guys behind him, J.R. Alexander and Derwin James. You look at the next guy they took, P.J. Hall, the next two guys behind him, Isaiah Oliver, cornerback out of Colorado that people liked, and Darius Geis, running back from LSU. Brandon Parker, who they took first pick of the third round, the guy who went exactly like the next pick behind him, Lorenzo Carter, linebacker that people liked from Georgia. So, like, I'm even looking at the Raiders' decisions from this past draft thinking this could be a draft where we look at, man, they should have went with that guy. And it's funny because... Usually the team we, Dave and I usually jokingly look at that with is the Bears drafts, where it's like you go to most of the Bears past drafts, look at the next pick behind the Bears. It's like, man, they should have went with him over the guy that they had taken. I just don't know what the Raiders are doing. And the only thing I do know is that John Gruden didn't like Khalil Mack and that also... This is, I believe that this is John Gruden trying to send a message to his locker room, to his young players. Um, Because you mentioned like, oh, he must not have been a Gruden grinder. But Gruden's a guy that 
he wants basically faithful soldiers. He wants guys that, because he comes from a, when he was last coaching, the whole sports landscape was completely different. And I know that we talk, I know we talk about like the NFL compared to the NBA where yes, the NBA, the players have more power than the players in the NFL, but still overall players now have a lot more power than they did back then, especially with some of the contract negotiations. And this is Gruden saying, Hey, if you want the money and we're not like, I want you to be loyal to the team, not loyal to yourself, because that's what I think John Gruden thought with Khalil Mack, not you're trying to get your money. You're only looking out for yourself. And that's why he traded him. And I think this was a message John Gruden was trying to send his team like, Hey, you play for the Raiders, you're like basically the game of zones thing for the Spurs. You put your soul in the box when you play for the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly possible. I don't I don't necessarily doubt it. Um I just don't know I, I can totally see it coming from Gruden in that sense. I just don't necessarily know that I'd buy it. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. one of those things and I and I think what what's just been shown to Raiders players is if you do really well, it doesn't matter. You're not going to get rewarded. Mm-hmm. They're going to refuse to pay you until eventually they can trade you away and get something out of you. I mean, unless and you're a guy maybe Drew, Gruden drafted. Maybe, but there's no guarantee in that either, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so it's kind of tough, and it doesn't look very good. You know, that's not something players want to hear. Mm-hmm. It's not something that they want to see. They're going to certainly be nervous about that. Um, so I don't know. I, you can see what a lot of the what a lot of the fans are saying, or I'm sorry, what a lot of the players have been saying, and how they're a little shocked. Yeah, they're shocked. They're upset. They don't get it. They're all being good sports about it. They're saying what they need to say, mm-hmm. which is good. But it's not – you can tell that it's not a great time to be a player uh, on the Raiders at the moment. They're especially going right into week one, and you're like, man, we just lost the best defensive player on our team. Mm-hmm. Now what? You know, it's – kind of demoralizing in that sense. Well, the one thing I'll ask you before we move on to the Bills is any final thoughts, anything that you think we did not hit with this that we need to hit with the Oakland Raiders and the Khalil Mack trade? No, not necessarily. I mean, I think that there's a lot of uncertainty as to necessarily why, and I hope that we can get a little bit more of a clear answer one day of uh, who really made this decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that the, the thing that of course with any trade is that you'll never know exactly who wins and loses. That's why we didn't do like a winners and losers of the trade today. Cause we won't know until we see who the Raiders draft and what they do with those draft picks. But It'll be interesting to see where the Raiders are moving forward after trading Khalil Mack. And this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below in that comment section. Raider fans, I know you're probably upset, so I'm not even going to ask 
Do you like it? Do you not like it? How upset are you? And what do you think? Do you think it was a Reggie McKenzie thing? Do you think it's a John Gruden thing? What do you think was going on behind the scenes? Let us know what you think, everything down below in that comment section. And Mark, let's move on to our next topic. And the one thing that you were saying in between um, us kind of recording the first and second segment that I didn't even catch on to is today's podcast, we could literally be talking about three teams that could be ending in maybe the top five, but definitely could be ending in the bottom 10 or the top 10 picks of the NFL draft this year in the Raiders, the Bills, and the Jets. I just found that funny because I'm like, wow, maybe uh, we're talking about bad teams. Who knows? We'll have to see the season. But another thing I will say, if you're listening on YouTube, listening on podcast services around the world, make sure to go on to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. Let us know why you like listening to the podcast each week. But the next team we're talking about, Mark, is the Buffalo Bills and the Buffalo Bills this weekend decided to do, in my mind, Billsy things. And they go ahead and trade up. They draft Josh Allen. They then go ahead and trade AJ McCarron to the Raiders, who we just talked about. I forgot to mention that in the first segment of how the Raiders traded Khalil Mack away and then said, hey, we need AJ McCarron on this team. Um, maybe just so they can cut. Connor Cook because he hasn't been that well or that good since he joined the team. But the Bills have announced they are going to be starting Nathan Peterman or five pick Peterman or five PP as we like to call him here on the podcast. And I'm just going to be frank with you, Mark. Why Mm -hmm. are the Bills starting Nathan Peterman? Why in God's name would they start Peterman over Josh Allen? So, to to me, I, I, it makes no sense. I mean, we got to get that out of the way. I mean, there's no mm-hmm. rational, logical reason why this would be a good idea. But anyways, um, to get that out of the way, I I think it's the same one of two things. One, either Josh Allen really is just not ready in the slightest, and that starting the guy who showed you that he did really really poorly last year. Uh, when given the opportunity, you know, I mean, you benched a guy, you just wanted to fail mm-hmm. for this other guy who didn't even have to do a good job. He just needed to not throw five interceptions. And then he continued to throw five interceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, it just goes to show that Allen has to, Josh Allen has to either be completely not ready or the flip side is they really want to buy into this. Like, look, we're making smart decisions. We're not going to play the rookie too early. We're going to be very smart. We're going to make a good decision here. And they're going in there and they're just convincing themselves so hard that it's a good idea to not play the rookie. It's a good idea. We got to do this. You know, and they're all just delusionally convincing themselves that this is the smart thing to do. And, you know, and to an extent, it's like, yeah, you shouldn't rush. You know, you shouldn't rush the guy out there. You shouldn't force him to play if he's not ready, if he's not going to be in a situation where he's going to succeed. But the problem is, when it comes to football, unless you're deciding before week one even starts that you want to tank this year, you're going to sit there and you're going to have to say, who gives us the best chance of winning this football game? And you cannot tell me, you can't convince me 
that Nathan Peterman is going to give you a better chance than Josh Allen. And I'm not even high on Josh Allen in the slightest. Mm-hmm. Not in the slightest. But I refuse to believe that Nathan Peterman is really giving you a better chance because of what we've seen out of him. And he could prove us all wrong, but you can't sit there and say, oh, I knew he was going to prove us wrong because when he had opportunities, he has failed miserably. Mm-hmm. I cannot believe. And if you look at some of those interceptions that he's had, you know, that five interception game, some of them sure were he was getting hit, but other ones were just terrible throws, mm-hmm. terrible decisions. I cannot believe that anybody in that organization actually firmly believes this is the better decision. And the thing that I think is like the saddest thing of this is basically like you look at the NFL.com story from about seven in the morning central time. And when it says in the headline that Nathan Peterman earned the right and they put earn the right in quotations, it's like, oh, no, not even they think you should be the starter. And the thing I do have to throw out is not everyone is on our side, Mark, that this is a, to me, a dumb decision. We're on our fantasy football podcast, um, What's Your Fantasy, that you guys should go check out also. Um, I had mentioned on there I, a little bit of my frustration and said we were going to talk about this on the onside kick tonight. And in his comment, the second part, he goes, also, Josh Allen is clear, is very clearly not ready if he'll ever be. Five pick Pete is the right decision over there. At least he looks serviceable. And the first thing I want to say to that comment is it's bad when you're saying, well, at least he looks serviceable and you're calling him five pick Pete. Like for me, like it's a double edged sword that the Bills are playing with because at the same time, there's a lot of usually when it's a rookie quarterback, you want to give him time. Aaron Rodgers sat. Jimmy Garoppolo sat. But you got to look at like guys like those two. Who were who, who were the guys that were ahead of him? You had Aaron Rodgers who was sitting behind Brett Favre, one of the best quarterbacks that I've ever seen in my lifetime, although he didn't win a ton of Super Bowls. Still one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life. But also, you have to look at it, and Tom Brady was ahead of Jimmy Garoppolo. They had all pro Hall of Fame quarterbacks ahead of them. Who does Josh Allen have ahead of him? He's got Nathan Peterman, who has only got one year of NFL service on him. Peterman was a rookie last year. And now you're going ahead and starting him over Josh Allen. I just see no I see no benefit in not starting Josh Allen here because I know what some people say. Oh, well, if he doesn't look ready, he doesn't look ready. And I go, yes, that would make sense if you had a guy like if we were in Arizona right now and Josh Allen was behind Sam Bradford, I'd be like, all right. Sam Bradford has established himself as an NFL starter. Sam Bradford can help you win games. To me, you got the same exact record, if not worse, with Nate Peterman. Like, I'm looking at it, you're not going to win a ton of games 
what's the worst besides injury, but anyone can get injured on any play. What's the, what's the harm of throwing Josh Allen out there to get him used to playing in the NFL, learning by playing and not just on the sideline? Because the question I'll ask you is what does Josh Allen have to learn from Nate Peterman, how to throw five picks in a game? Cause I really don't see what he has to learn from Nathan Peterman, unless it's what not to do because Peterman's going to mess up. I mean, I, I think that's completely fair. Is that it is a very real question of what what would he possibly learn? Mm-hmm. I mean, I you can have a guy who isn't that successful, but is very intelligent, has seen the game, has seen all different kinds of offenses and all different kinds of defenses. Think about Josh McCown. He's a journeyman. Mm-hmm. He just goes around and teaches. Think about Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez had one of the most disastrous, uh, I'll use a Rickyism, downclines yep. to his career. Uh, you know, and we all remember the butt fumble and everything mm-hmm. like that. But he can go around the NFL and teach young quarterbacks some good things. Teams will pay for that. Nathan Peterman is not a guy who's been around the NFL forever, seeing all these great things, learning from great quarterbacks, having good moments. He doesn't have any of that. If anything, you could have kept Tyrod Taylor, you mm-hmm. know, and then that would have given you a good serviceable option as you transition from a Josh Allen. I'm pretty sure I've said on the podcast before that that was the correct answer was mm-hmm. keeping Tyrod Taylor, let him play for a year. And if you really want Josh Allen, you let him learn or really you could have let almost any of these other guys learn with maybe the exception of Josh Rosen. Although sure. Why not him either? Um, you know, could let any of these guys learn from him while he plays, even if it's not a full season. But it would have been something. Sure, you can't convince me that this was a good idea. And I said it as soon as they drafted him. AJ McCarron, Peterman, neither one of these guys were going to give any type of resistance because neither one of these guys had ever proven that they can do it. Mm-hmm. AJ McCarron's gone. He's playing. Maybe on the Raiders now. We'll see if he actually gets to play ever or if he ends up just sitting on the bench forever. Um, but then Peterman's going out there, and you're just like, but how could he possibly have won? And there's going to be a Raider fan out there who says, well, he looked all right in the preseason. And it's like, sure, anybody can really look all right in the preseason. I mean, the Bears had a third string quarterback that looked pretty damn good in the mm-hmm. preseason, and he got cut. <laughs> you know, like, it's just the preseason. It's not that big of a deal. You know who the Bills can go and get? They can get Brogan Roback from uh, Hard Knocks. They can they get could. Brogan to be their starter. I don't know why they would, but they could. <laughs> I just, like, for me, too, and I'm looking at, of course, some of these guys like Davis Webb are no longer caught. But, like, the thing that I also look at is, all right. Well, they were they were cut. They just, you know are on a team now. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, the Bills, like, for example, Davis Webb, he was cut from the Giants, but the Bills can't get him now that we're, like, as of right now, because he's already signed with the New Mm -hmm. York Jets to be one of their backups. And the thing I just, like, I I get it from a Bills standpoint, because I get it and I don't get it, because first off, the second you drafted Josh Allen, the second you did that, 
you told Nathan Peterman you are not the future in Buffalo. So in my mind, you have no allegiance to Nathan Peterman. Of course, it's you want like the team where it's like, yeah, we're going to look out for you because you're part of the team. But really, it's you are no longer the future. We drafted Josh Allen. That is my mindset of it. So because of that, If let's say Josh Allen is not ready and you don't want to throw him out there, Davis Webb could have been a quarterback. That would be a better option than Nathan Peterman. He was cut. Paxton Lynch, I wouldn't even go after that. I mean, that one's an interesting one. Yay was a first-round talent, but hasn't really shown us much with the Broncos. But, hey, maybe that was just a Bronco thing. Um, The one I would really go after is Landry Jones. I don't know why he was cut from the Steelers after completing 76% of his passes. I know that back up and he wasn't seeing the first string, but it's like Landry Jones is coming from a winning team and could win you more games, not going to make the playoffs or anything, but could win you more games than Nathan Peterman. I just don't understand why the Bills didn't do that, why... Hey, if Josh Allen really isn't ready and we don't want A.J. McCarron, obviously because we traded him, why not go and get one of these guys that got cut who could give you a better chance to win than Nathan Peterman unless you really want to lose games and get a first round, a first overall draft pick? They might. It's possible. Um, yeah, I I don't understand. I, I don't see it. I don't see what the what the value is mm-hmm. or really what leads you to think that this is the smart move um, beyond just one simple thing. It's a team that says we're not ready yet. It doesn't really matter that much. You know what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. I'm looking into my crystal ball. I am going to tell you exactly what is going to happen, Mark. You ready? And it it should sound familiar because we saw this same exact thing happen last year with a team from the AFC. Nathan Peterman is going to start, and he's going to go out there in Baltimore. That first half is going to be rough. That Baltimore defense is going to chew him up. They go into halftime. They come out of halftime. Josh Allen is your starter. He'll start the second half. They will lose that first game. That next game in Buffalo against the Chargers, Josh Allen will be starting. And if you're sitting there going, all right, Ricky, you said we've seen that before. Where have I seen it before? Deshaun Watson last year. Where I, I'm not comparing Josh Allen to Deshaun Watson. Let's get that very much clear. But the situations are the same. Where... The Texans threw out Tom Savage day one, and after one half of going up against Jacksonville's defense went, this was the wrong decision. Same thing I feel like is going to happen happen for Buffalo because really Deshaun Watson and Mitch Trubisky had this, but let's be honest, Mike Glennon wasn't as bad as Nathan Peterman or as bad as Tom Savage. Although he You're eventually make some got Bears fans mad about that. <laughs> eventually he did get replaced. Like he's not the best. He's not the cream friche or the creme de la creme of quarterbacks. 
But Mike Glennon, I would take Mike Glennon over Nathan Peterman or Tom Savage. Like, there's that fact alone. I'm not saying that he should have started over Mitch. I'm just saying I would take him over Peterman or Tom Savage. But, like, I look at this Bill situation and I go, this is going to be Deshaun Watson 2.0 without the success that Deshaun Watson had before his ACL injury because Josh Allen is not Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I mean, I I don't see any way that Nathan Peterman brings success to the Buffalo Bills. It's that simple. Here's the one thing I want to ask you, and usually I'm not this guy, but I'm going to be this guy. I'm looking through the list of cuts on this. Like, It's an article from um, NewJersey.com, NJ.com, True Jersey it says. And it's the 45 most intriguing available players after roster cuts. And of the quarterbacks listed, of course, they're going to mention his name because everybody is going to mention his name because of how much better he is from the quarterbacks. But like it, it makes me laugh that like, I know why he isn't signed because of everything we've talked about in the past and we don't need to get into what was in the past because it's been talked about and talked about and talked about. But like in my mind, after seeing the bills go, yeah, we're going to start Nathan Peterman instead of Josh Allen. I truly, truly think more and more and people are going to be like, well, duh, Ricky, when did you come to this realization that, the Colin Kaepernick thing has nothing to do with Colin Kaepernick's play. Because, like, I look at this situation alone, and, like, many people were like, yeah, there were other situations where he probably could have been on that team as a backup or a starter. But, like, I look at this and go, you're telling me that Colin Kaepernick isn't better than Nathan Peterman? That's what you're really telling me, Mark? I'm not saying that you're telling me that, but I'm just asking you because I'm talking to you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's been that way a few times that it's it's an embarrassment at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's just an accepted fact as well. I'll ask you this, final thing. If Nathan Peterman starts every single game for the Bills, how many wins do they get if it's differed from what you said in your hold us to them predictions? I mean... Uh, in in that one, I think I had the Bills at like what two or three wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, they maybe can squeeze a win out at some point. I mean, it'll probably snow in Buffalo, mm-hmm. and it'll be very difficult to play. And they can win a game like six to three. Mm-hmm. I I mean, it, I'm being a little you know a little much at the moment, but I really just I can't see a way where this is a quarterback that's going to go out there and win you a game. No, I don't see it. I like Josh Allen will start this year. Nathan Peterman does not get to week 17 as the starter of the Buffalo Bills. It'll just be when does Nathan Peterman get benched? I'm saying it's going to be halftime of that first game like Tom Savage was. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below in that comment section. Are you with the Nathan Peter, are you with Nathan Peterman? Are you against Nathan Peterman as the starter for the Bills? 
What do you think of Josh Allen? When do you think he will start this year? If he starts at all, let us know what you guys think down below in that comment section. And Mark, we will move on into yet another rookie quarterback. And it's this one should be a little bit more fun to talk about and less negative than the Nathan Peterman topic because Sam Darnold is going to start for the New York Jets. And if it was the, I think it was Adam Schefter, I was looking at um, a tweet that he said about Sam Darnold. And he said, with Sam Darnold starting on Monday Night Football, he will be the youngest, not only the youngest quarterback to start an opening game in NFL history. It will also be the 11th season in a row where we will have a rookie starting a week one season opener for an NFL team. What I am going to ask you is what should we all expect from Sam Darnold and the Jets this season with Darnold as the starter? I I think it's a little mixed because – you know, there's going to be people out there who are going to want to see that he's going to be amazing and he's going to do great things and she's going to be able to go out there and win any game he wants, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's going to be the other side where people are going to say, oh, that guy doesn't know what he's doing. He's a rookie. He's going to make dumb mistakes. The, what are the Jets thinking? You know, they're going to lose every game. But really, to me, I, I see it like this. This is a team that's all right, but they're not great. Um, they definitely have a ways to go. They've got a good quarterback. He looked good in the preseason, but not, not amazing in the preseason necessarily. And what it sits there and it looks to me is we're not going to see a Deshaun Watson type of guy who's going to go out there with this amazing team and just be able to go light everybody up and, you know, this team's going to win everything. And even then the Texans didn't win all their games either. They still had losses as well. But – with Ian Darnold, he doesn't have that luxury. He's not on an amazing team. He's on mm-hmm. a fine team, but he's not on an amazing team. He doesn't have tons of weapons around him. He doesn't have a ton of help. He's going to make rookie mistakes, of course. He's going to have good moments, sure. But I think what we're going to see is a fairly genuine rookie of plays well, plays poorly inconsistencies, silly mistakes that he's going to learn from and some development out of him out of the season. But it's nice to see. It's going to be enjoyable because you're going to have those shining moments, those promises. But if you're a Jets fan, you can't get your hopes up too high either because the team's just not ready yet. This is part of the process. Just got to accept it and, you know, trust it and be okay with not that many wins this year because your team will be just getting even better and moving in the right direction. Well, and the thing that I found interesting and kind of what sparked this as a topic idea for us on the podcast is there's an article on ESPN from this morning from Rich um, Samini where it basically says the headline is, Jets rush Sam Sam Darnold into starting lineup, hoping for Carson Wentz, and it kind of like it kind of got me thinking because the thing that I was thinking about was I'm like, huh, Carson Wentz 
I knew for sure. Like, I was really high. When it was the whole golf wentz debate when we were having that for the 2016 NFL draft, I was on the Carson Wentz bandwagon 110%. I just, there was something about him that I knew there was going to be something special. I didn't expect it as early as we got it. I didn't expect year three into his NFL career that it's, he's already a Super Bowl champion and he's a, would have been a viable fantasy draft and people wouldn't have been nervous about drafting him in fantasy if he wasn't injured this year. I didn't expect that much of an upcline from Carson Wentz, but I, I knew that he was going to be good. I was saying, like, ah, look at like four years for that to really start. But when I look at Sam Darnold, the comparisons to Carson Wentz are not that far off. Probably the only thing to me that is the biggest difference between them is that Carson Wentz had more injuries in college and he was a five-time champion in college. He's a five-time FCS champion, whereas um, Sam Darnold in his years with USC, they didn't go to the college football playoff. They didn't win a national championship. And I know Sam Darnold playing at a vastly different level than Carson Wentz was FCS to FBS. But, I mean, I look at it and I go, the team that Carson Wentz had his rookie year wasn't the best year. Like, wasn't the best team on paper. Like, for wide receivers, he had Nelson Aguilar, who was in his first, his second year as a pro. He had Jordan Matthews, who was just entering his third year as a pro. Zach Ertz was probably his best target. Um, he was entering his third year, or no, his fourth year um, as a pro, and he did have a pretty veteran um, offensive line, which does help. Whereas you look at Sam Darnold and the offense, and I feel like he doesn't have that far of a difference where I mean, to me, the biggest question mark for the Jets is going to be running back because, to me, Bilal Powell is good, not great. And you've got Isaiah Crowell, who was chased out of Cleveland. So, I mean, there's that. I mean, the running back for um, Carson Wentz I didn't mention was Ryan Matthews, who was trying to kind of restart his career after leaving San Diego. But, like, I look at the wide receivers and – Really, the biggest one is like the number one wide receiver is going to be Robbie Anderson for the Jets. That to me is the biggest difference is, like I said before, eh, maybe he doesn't have the best roster. That will be the thing that maybe holds Carson Wentz back and or not Carson Wentz, Sam Darnold back where Carson Wentz went seven and nine with the Eagles. I think Sam Darnold, like, think of that as, like, the ceiling for Sam Darnold, the seven wins. Do I think they'll get there? Maybe, maybe not. But I would say five to seven wins could be doable for the Jets this year because of the team, not necessarily wide receivers, but their defense is 
pretty good in New York and could help Sam Darnold this year as a rookie? I, I think a couple things that you're you're missing out on there is okay. the fact that uh, one, we got the curse to deal with. I mean, Darnold is a USC quarterback. True. Um, those don't work in the NFL. Anymore. They don't at all. Uh, but anyways, um, I think we're missing a big part of the Eagles coaching staff mm-hmm. and how how capable they were to groom a young quarterback and create a great quarterback. Because honestly, Carson Wentz, he had a good rookie year, but it wasn't a great rookie year. It was mm-hmm. nothing phenomenal. Um, he had things he had to learn from, and he really came out hard in year two, impressing everybody and kind of sh- uh, shutting down any doubters that he had after that rookie year. But, you know, it's not going to be the same situation for Darnold. Darnold doesn't have the same capable coaches offensively really to learn from and really to groom him to where, I mean, you already have these um this whole offense coordinator quarterback coach combo here that they just went and won a Super Bowl with spreading off and going in different directions and doing their own things now mm-hmm. and it's it's just, it's it's a little different i mean obviously the jets have more of a defensive focus that's what they're more concerned about could that change in the future i don't know it might depending on how they do this year and if that is enough to get rid of a coach or if they stick around with a coach for a while, who knows. But I just think that that is such a key part to it is that Carson Wentz was able to be a sponge and just soak up all this great coaching knowledge and Mm -hmm. quarterback coaching knowledge as well. And Jet fans are probably going to jump all over us because they're going to say, well, guys, Robbie Anderson last year, you're, you got to put some respect on that name, where basically he had, a, out of 114 targets, 63 receptions, was about 20, no, 60, 59 yards away from an 1,000-yard season last year, seven touchdowns for the Jets. You had Josh McCown, who was just shy of being a 3,000-yard passer. And when you mentioned the coaching staff, that's why I kind of mentioned those numbers, because... The Eagles in 2016, Wentz's rookie year, they basically had the same coaching staff that they had. Well, I'm talking the main three that they had last year were Doug Peterson, quarterback whisperer, and the guy that they brought in to lead the Eagles. He was the head coach. You had Frank Reich, who was there last year, just recently left for the Colts. He was the OC. Jim Schwartz, ex-Lions head coach, was the DC for the Eagles, and that's why this year it's not really Todd Bowles that I'm looking at for the Jets. I'm looking at their offensive coordinator in Jeremy Bates. This is a guy that just since 2010. So 2010, he was the offensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks. In 2012, he was nowhere. Then quarterback coach with the Bears in 12. And then his next job is with the Jets in 2017. And then this past year, he'll be the quarterback coach and offensive coordinator for the New York Jets. All of Sam Darnold's success, yeah, it's like, it's almost like the debate Brandon and I had yesterday on the Primetime Podcast about Michigan. Yeah, Sam Darnold's going to have to go out there and play the games, 
but it's going to be, in my mind, Jeremy Bates's job and Todd Bowles's job, but more Jeremy Bates's do- job to put Sam Darnold in good expectations and good situations this year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it comes down to coaching. You can have all the great players in the world, but if you got a bad coach, and I'm not even saying that, that Bates is necessarily a bad coach, uh, or Todd Bowles is a bad coach. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, you look at Bates's uh, background, and it's not the most impressive thing in the world. Um, but you know, you look at that, and you just sit there and you say, "Are do we have exactly what we need to take a young quarterback and bring him forward?" Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you need to go and put your young quarterback in a better situation? You know, like. Peterson with Wentz or like how Chicago got rid of John Fox and got Matt Nagy because they feel that's a better situation for their young quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, is that something that you want? Are you scared of limiting um, the development of a young quarterback? You know, you look at a team uh, like the New York Jets, which they do not have a young quarterback, but they have a quarterback that's, seen a little bit of some struggles and seen some rough times mm-hmm. and they want to go out and get a guy like Pat Shermer because of what he was able to do offensively for the Minnesota Vikings mm-hmm. getting everything he could out of Case Keenum you know I mean the coaching is a huge role it's a huge part and especially when you're a rookie you need something like that now Stan Darnold fortunately he's that kind of guy where he can be like a Cam Newton or one of these guys, like a Russell Wilson, a good combination too. One of these guys who could say, "I'm going to carry this team right now, and I'm going to make sure we're in a situation to win." And it's all going to depend on how much freedom is he going to have. Are they going to let him do that? Are they going to handcuff him? Are they going to say, "No, no, 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 you don't get to take this game over. You do what we tell you to do." Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that that needs to be seen before we can really start to make good calls on what his rookie year is probably going to look like. And the preseason is not the time, kind of time where you get to see that stuff. Because, of course, the preseason is all about just vanilla offense, vanilla defense. Mm-hmm. Let's just grade the skills of these players. You're not really using a playbook. You know, mm-hmm. You're not really game planning or anything like that. So you don't get to see a guy, uh, a young quarterback like that, really take the training wheels off and go with it. Or sometimes if you do see them do that, it's because they want to see some skills, and then they go, okay, cool. Now that we have this game planned, you don't do that anymore. You do what we tell you to do. Well, and what's funny is I'm kind of looking at, like, into why he was let go from the Seahawks and the Bears. And it's funny, the year he was with the Seahawks, 2010 should sound familiar because that was the year they went 7-9 and and were first in the AFC West. That was the beast mode game against the Saints with the whole Madik kind of a thing um, where they beat the Saints in the wild card round before I think losing to the Bears in the playoffs in the next round. Um, But he was brought over with Pete Carroll to be the offensive coordinator um, in his first year, but then fired in January of 2011 because of a difference in philosophy is what they're saying. Basically, they didn't like um, how you were running the offense. 
Then with the Bears, he joined them in February of 2012. He was the quarterback coach under Mike Tice when Mike Tice was the OC of the terrible Bears. terrible offense. Yeah, um, and it reunited him with Jay Cutler, it says. Um, but in And in 2010, he actually withdrew from the Bears, con- like from consideration for Bears um, OC, and that eventually went to Mike Martz. And then January, basically a day before, almost two years of the day, um, he was fired from Seattle. He was fired from Chicago, um, and he was among seven coaches not to be retained by head coach Mark Trussman. Um, so he was basically fired when Trussman came in because Trussman wanted to bring in his guys. Now he's with the Jets, and really that's where I think – Sam Darnold's success lies in because Sam, like Tom Bowles is not an offensive coach. He is a defensive minded coach. So really the main guy that's going to be who needs to be basically the Josh McDaniel, like Tom Brady is Tom Brady, but Tom Brady has Josh McDaniels in new England. Jeremy Bates needs to be that to Sam Darnold. And to me, this is an interesting situation because another thing that I'll mention that this is not me, ha, 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 I was right, you were wrong kind of a thing, but both you and I said in our Jets preview, this was way back, this was like end of June, middle of June, that we said this, we were like, yeah, the Jets get used to it because you're going to start Sam Darnold. Like, it's just, that's going to be your starter. And if you go back to that comment section, there were Jet fans saying, no, not so fast. There's no way Sam Darnold is going to be our starter because we have Josh McCown. So to me, that is the most interesting part of this is basically the Jets are saying we're not going to start Josh McCown, who got them, I believe, what was it, seven wins last year? With the same Jeremy Bates was a quarterback coach last year, same weapons around him. So they must think that with Bates as the OC now and Sam Darnold, they must think that Sam Darnold could get them more than seven games. Am I right? Or they're just going with the philosophy. We drafted this guy so early, so we better use him. We traded up to get him. Yeah, and Josh McCown, I mean, he certainly impressed and surprised some people mm-hmm. last year. No, I, Very few people outside of New York had much faith in, in what the Jets were going to do last year. But they they got it done. You know, they did well enough. Um, and they end up now with, with Sam Darnold, who uh, obviously drafted very high in the NFL draft. And, you know, you draft a quarterback like that, it's not because you want him to sit on the bench. Mm-hmm. That's the shocking thing about like Josh Allen with Nathan Peterman. Unless you have somebody, you know, you're, and I know Mason Rudolph was not drafted in the first round, but you draft a Mason Rudolph and you say, well, Big Ben's here now, so you sit and you learn. Or even honestly, Josh Rosen, who's like, you know, he gets drafted by the Cardinals, but the Cardinals are sitting there going, hey, we've got a good quarterback in Sam Bradford. Now, he gets injured a lot, but he's still a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's somebody who, okay, it's understandable that you're going to sit behind this guy. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was a number one pick not too long ago. Um, so 
it's not too often you're going to be in that situation. The Jets certainly were not in that situation with Josh McCown. So you draft a guy, you expect him to play. It's To me, it's that simple. And if you're sitting there at home thinking, well, Ricky, there you read that article that was um, kind of comparing Sam Darnold to Carson Wentz or hoping the Jets will get that from Sam Darnold. I wonder, could you remind me who was the other quarterback behind Carson Wentz the year he was a rookie? And I looked it up, and I'm going to let you guess the name, Mark, but the clue that I will give you is he might be your favorite Bear quarterback from the preseason. Oh, nice. Uh, Well, I know that they had Sam Bradford and they traded him, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to guess the other one would be Chase Daniel. It was Chase Daniel. He's got the... uh, He's got the the um, Kansas City and Peterman uh, yes. connection. Yes, yeah, he was um, our Peterson connection. Twenty sixteen was he was actually with KC from twenty thirteen to twenty fifteen, and then that next year he was with the Eagles. His only year with the Eagles before um, going to the Saints, and then now the Bears um, this year. But before we move on into our picks, any final thoughts you got on the Jets? or Sam Darnold starting week one? The only thing I I have to say about this is just it, it was obvious. We knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, for me, and I'll get this to a little bit more in our picks, is a good thing for Sam Darnold in his first game. My biggest question for them is their run game, especially with Isaiah Crowell that's probably going to be, or Crowell that's going to be their starting running back. But the good thing is Detroit's in the same boat as they've got LeGarrette Blount, who, yeah, he's a proven veteran, but it's his first year in Detroit. And they've got a rookie in Kerryon Johnson, who many think will take the job. But we will see what will happen. Should be a good Monday night game, and Sam Darnold will be starting it. But this is where you guys let us know what you think down below in that comment section. What do you think for Sam Darnold this year? What do you think of the Jets this year? What should we expect from both of them in 2018? Let us know what you think down below in that comment section. But Mark, it's time to end the podcast, and it's the first time I get to say it this way. We get to end the podcast making our picks for week one of the NFL season. It is great to finally be making some picks, and we'll get right into it. The first game, a Thursday night matchup. This one I'm a little salty about because I feel like, I just feel like it should have been Vikings-Eagles on the opening night game, not Falcons-Eagles. Like, come on, what was the sense in that? Kirk Cousins coming to the Vikings would have been a much better game for week one. But we got Falcons-Eagles Thursday night. The Eagles are only two-point favorites as we record this on Tuesday night. Who do you got, Falcons and Eagles, to open the year? It's interesting. I mean, obviously you got Nick Foles out there, which is a completely different um, situation having Carson Wentz and uh-huh. no Alshon Jeffrey. So there's some reasons why the Eagles could lose this game. And, you know, a lot of times this Super Bowl champion, they come in here, they play opening day Thursday night. It's really exciting for them, but that pressure kind of gets to them. Um, and I don't really think that the Eagles are going to lose that many games. But I'm thinking, Ricky, I'm buying it. I think this is going to be one of those games. I'm going to buy that this, the Atlanta Falcons are going to beat the Nick Foles-led Philadelphia Eagles, maybe kill some of that hype uh, that the backup quarterback got from being Super Bowl MVP. 
Uh, I, I'm, I'm taking the Atlanta Falcons on this one. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm going against the line of the favorite being the Eagles, but they're barely the favorite. It is almost a push in this one. I'm going with the Falcons mainly because no Alshon. You don't have Torrey Smith because you traded him this offseason. You don't have Carson Wentz for this one. That's no knock at Nick Foles. That just means Carson Wentz is a really, really, really good quarterback, and the Falcons are one of the best teams. They could be one of the top two teams in the NFC this year, going with Hotlanta to get the win on the road. Then we move into the Sunday games for this for this year, and the first one we're going to get to is a, this one will be a 12 p.m. start. It is the Steelers and the Browns. Who are you going with? I'm excited for this one. Uh, you know, I after Hard Knocks, everyone's excited about the Browns as teams. People are always excited about the Hard Knocks team after they're done. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's I do think the Browns have enough talent to where maybe they could be good, and if maybe they somehow end up with Des Bryant on the team before Sunday. Um, which if it still hasn't happened yet, I don't really think it's going to at this point. But a lot of things make me want to pick the Browns. Mm-hmm. But then I remember their quarterback is still Hugh Jackson. <laughs> and this man is one. Their quarterback or their and coach? 31. Their coach. Okay. I their thought coach. you said quarterback for a second. I, I was might. like, oh, he's playing quarterback now? I might. I mean, he could. Why not? <laughs> uh, and they got Tyrod Taylor on there and, the the knock on Tyrod, of course, is always that he he likes his checkdowns. He doesn't take risks. Mm-hmm. As much as I would like to pick the Browns on this one, I gotta go with the Steelers. Hugh Jackson doesn't win games. We all know that. He's only won one. That's it. I'm going with the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, the big question mark for me in this one is no. There could possibly be no Le'Veon for the Steelers, which. I am in agreement. Pretty likely right now. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. By the way, where I can't remember if you said this on Twitter or our group chat. It might have been our group chat, but basically, oh no, it could have been on Twitter. Basically, what you said was, it's nice to see Le'Veon stand by his guns that he's not going to play yep. until he has a new deal. And I'm in agreement. Don't play like if you're on that molehill or of I'm not going to play until I get a new contract. Don't buckle on that. Although that is a big thing, I still got to go with the Steelers. I know they're only a three-and-a-half-point favorite, which seems kind of low for a Steelers-Browns game, and I know Browns fans are going to be like, hey, we always play the Steelers stuff, and we could beat them in Cleveland. I don't see it happening. I got to go with the Steelers. This Browns team is going to have to prove me wrong a couple times before I start picking them this year. Plus, I feel like there's a good chance this team could go 0-6, and then uh, Todd Haley is the head coach uh for that week seven game against the Buccaneers. So anything can happen. Let's move on to the next one, though. The Bengals will be in Indianapolis taking on the Colts. Who you got? So I I am a believer that Andrew Luck is going to play in this game, and that's all I need. I just need Andrew Luck to play, and it's the Colts. (laughs) Yeah. And I do do like the Bengals enough. I (laughs) I mean, I don't like the Bengals, but I think they're a good team this year, a good enough team. Um, but still, Andrew Luck. Originally, I was giving this one to the Bengals in the offseason because we were unsure about Andrew Luck. But like I've said in podcasts before, Andrew Luck is good enough for eight wins. It's just how many other 
how many additional wins can the team around him get? Although there were some fans mad, kind of misconstruing what I was saying, not saying that the whole Colts were Colts were trash. I was just saying that the team isn't as good as Andrew Luck should have around him. But I got to go with the Colts in this one. Andrew Luck will get them the win against that Bengals defense. Then if we move on, the next game we got, the Titans will be in Miami to play. The Dolphins could be a hot one in Miami. I am going to go with the Dolphins at home, although the Titans are a a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Who are you going with? I know that the Titans got some things to get used to with a new coach and and new offense and all that. Um, But Tannehill had that big injury, missed a whole year. We don't really know. Is he going to come back the same after that? We haven't fully seen, you know, this Gase um, Miami team. I just don't know if I'm going to buy it yet. I mean, I I have high hopes, but I I just – I got to go with a team that I have a little bit more belief in, and that's the kind of new revolutionized Tennessee Titans. Well, next game moving right along our list, we've got a 12 p.m. Central time matchup in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The Vikings will play host to one of my most hyped teams in 2018, the San Francisco 49ers. And in this one, I know I've said that, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to go 19-0 and and he's never going to lose a game. But that ain't going to happen. The Vikings get the win in this one. Skull, skull, skull all the way. What are you thinking about this one, Mark? Pretty easy. I mean, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback. They've got a good team that they're putting together. I mean, Rich Sherman's there. You know, there's nice stuff, but it comes down to just Minnesota's just a much better team. And, you know, you get injuries to the 49ers that are kind of killing some hype. And there's just no reason why, as much as I would like to say the 49ers can win, there's just no reason why I can pick them here. Got to go with the Vikings. Well, and the next one, we've got a really good matchup between the Texans and the Patriots in Foxborough. Patriots are about a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I will ask you first, Patriots defend home field, or do the Texans get another win, this time with Deshaun Watson against the Patriots? I, I think that... This one has a lot of scare potential for the Patriots. I think this will be a close game, especially with Deshaun Watson going out there wanting to make his comeback and show everybody that, hey, I may have gotten hurt, but I'm coming out here to finish what I started last year. But I, I can't pick against the Patriots. I can't do it. There's too much uncertainty with some injuries and injury concerns with the Texans. And even though they were really hot offensively and got a really great defense, they still had some issues as a team last year. So I got to see some of those things get answered before I'm going to get really confident in them. Uh, You know, I don't know who Tom Brady's really going to be throwing the ball to this year. I don't really know how that defense is going to perform without Matt Patricia, but I got to believe in Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. So Patriots. I was completely wrong, by the way. I am still looking back. The last time the Texans have beaten the Patriots was, I'm going to go back a year or two more, 2014 it didn't happen. 
Yeah, by 2013, they still have not won a game against the Patriots. I thought they had won last year against the Patriots, but I was mistaken in that one. Deshaun Watson did not get the win against New England, but he's going to get the win this year. I am going with the Texans to walk into Foxborough, beat the Patriots. The Patriots, they're not going to lose many games, but uh, they'll lose some, and this will be one of them that they lose with this Texan team that wants to start you off want that, on uh, the right foot. You want that ESPN panic is what you're going no, for. No, I do. I do. And like, and it showed last year the Patriots, I mean, maybe it was a Super Bowl hangover um, with winning and like the whole celebration. Like the celebration probably rubbed the Chiefs the wrong way where they were like, oh, look at this. And we have Mark Wahlberg here and. They kept playing the score. What was it, like 23-7 or 27-7 or something like that? And uh, it's basically like, okay, we get it. We get it. Why are you doing this? And a drunk Robert Kraft was there. But I'm going to go with the Texans to get the win over the Patriots. Next game, this one's easy for me. Saints win in New Orleans. The Bucks aren't going to win many games this year, especially they ain't beating the Saints, especially without Jameis Winston. Yep, I mean, I love the Saints this year. I, I loved them uh, last year, too. But, yeah, this is, this is a big one for the Saints. I'm going to roll with them, and no reason why the Bucks should win. And then an interesting one, we've got the Jaguars going up against the New York football Giants. The Jags are a three-point favorites in the Meadowlands. Who are you going with, the Jags or the G-Men in Week 1? Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily think it's that interesting. I mean, the Jaguars are a much better team on every front. Um, well, until they get injured, kiss a death style. That's true. That is very true. It's possible that it can happen. But, you know, I even if you think that new coaching is going to help out the, the New York football giants, it's going to take a little bit to get into it, I think. So, yeah, I got to roll with the uh, steamrolling uh, Jaguars. By the way, I'm going to give some fantasy insider information um, to everybody listening. If you are a owner of Leonard Fournette, I would trade him today. And the reason why I'm saying that is not only did I pick the Jaguars to win the Super Bowl, which the kiss of death has already claimed victims as Marquise Lee, and I apologize for that because that happened on the Thursday after the kiss of death. Dave Oster in our personal league, if you guys are new and do not know this, Dave's teams is always riddled with injuries. He had Deshaun Watson, who was injured last year. The year that Nate Keating got injured on the opening kickoff of the year, he was Dave's kicker. Tom Brady, when he went down for the year, he was on Dave's team. Dave's team is always riddled with injuries, so because of that fact and the kiss of death, I kind of am worried for Leonard Fournette and should probably send him a letter to let him know to be careful this year. So if you're a Leonard Fournette owner, be weary this season. But moving on to the next game, another easy one, I think, in Baltimore. The Ravens should get an easy win, probably get about five picks in the game because Nathan Peterman is starting. No way the Bills beat the Ravens. And the Ravens got a good defense. You know, so I mean, it's going to be... It's going to be rough for him. Yeah, Ravens all the way. And just because I'm filling out our pick sheet, you said the Jags over the G-Men, right? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. I, I thought you did, but I was like, I should double check. Next game, we finally get into the late afternoon ones. 
Who you got? Are you going to bolt up, Mark, or are you going to go with the KC Chiefs? I'm going to bolt up. Um, despite some injury issues, you know, for for the uh, for my bolt ups, because <laughs> I couldn't think of the I couldn't think of the word Chargers for some reason. Um, I have to go with them. I still believe in Philip Rivers. Um, you know, I drafted Keenan Allen, so I'm kind of, of course, believe in him uh, in fantasy. But no, I just think that this team, even though it can be a tough one, this is a good chance for them to kind of make their statement and say, we've got one of the best pass rushes out there. We've got a great quarterback who never gets the love that he deserves and just so many great weapons offensively. They can get it done. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Chargers as well. I just, I am not going to buy in on the Patrick Mahomes hype until I see some wins in the win column for the Chiefs with him at quarterback, and I don't think it'll happen week one against the Chargers. The next game, we've got the Seahawks going into mile high to play the Broncos. I'm going with the Broncos. I'm not too high on the Seahawks coming into this year. What are you thinking about this game? Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to agree with you on this one, uh, <laughs> but I'm I'm not too high on them either. Um, and you know, you got to ask yourself a simple question: Is it mm-hmm. a home game or is it an away game? And it's an away game for Seattle, so gonna go ahead and give it to the Broncos. Well, and then the next game we've got the Redskins going into Glendale, Arizona, to play the Cardinals. The Cardinals are only a one point favorite, so this is the closest I believe we've gotten to a push. I think the only other one was like a point and a half. Um, But I'm going with the Redskins only because I'm not too high on the Cardinals. I know Cardinal fans are telling me I'm wrong, but until I am proven wrong, um, I am going to go against them. I just like the quarterback is better for the Redskins. The wide receivers, although they got Larry Fitzgerald, that's pretty much all they have in Arizona for me. Um, David Johnson coming back will be a boost. It's a definite win there over the Redskins, but I just I feel like overall Alex Smith will be able to do enough to get the win in Arizona. What are you thinking when it comes to this game? Well, I'd be okay with that because, you know, speaking of my fantasy team, Alex Smith is going to be my week one quarterback because Carson Wentz isn't playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, uh, I do think it's very – this is probably one of the toughest ones for me coming into this. I, I like what they've got going on. I like what Alex Smith can do for the Redskins, but I do think that this team with Sam Bradford for the Arizona Cardinals are going to do pretty well. Cause I like Sam Bradford as a quarterback. And mm-hmm. He's got a great connection with Larry Fitzgerald. David Johnson's going to do good things for him too. Defense isn't quite what it was, but that's okay. They'll still be able to compete because it's not like, it's not like they have uh, an absolutely stunning offense in Washington. So it's a close one. But I'm going to go ahead and say Sam Bradford shows people why he's starting instead of Josh Rosen and gets a win. And then our last late afternoon game, it will be the Cowboys going into Charlotte, North Carolina, Bank of America Stadium. The Panthers are three-point favorites, and this was literally the only toss-up I had where I had to flip a coin. And I am going to go with the Panthers in this one. Cowboys will be a good team. They will get wins but it will not be this one. Cam Newton and company get the win at home over Dak and Du Bois. Yeah, I think that home game part is going to be pretty important for Carolina. Um, I do like what they have, but at the same time, I think that Dak 
Prescott kind of, you know, didn't impress people in his second year quite like he did his first. Well, he didn't have Zeke, Zeke for six games. For sure. I mean, that's a big part of it. And there was always the big question marks of when is he going to be gone, when is he mm-hmm. not going to be gone. But Zeke wants to come back, too, because that threw off his rhythm. He didn't perform the way he should have. Um, you know, there's only, what, two pro bowlers on this offensive line now instead of the usual three or four, whatever it is that they have. So, you know, some people might want to think that the Cowboys are down a little bit. But I still think that this can be a good year for them. And I'm going to let them go ahead and go into Carolina and get this win. Well, and then we've got our Sunday night game. I am going to be honest. I am going with the Packers. I think they will win at home against the, I believe this is the home game for the Packers. It is. It is in Lambeau Field. The Bears offense is the question mark for me, and I don't think that it will be ready week one against Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers will win the Packers this game. And, Mark, now it's your job to tell me why this Bears Mm -hmm. team will get the win because they've got Khalil Mack. Well, I was going to say, Ricky, I don't know if you've heard this, um, but there was a big trade that happened this weekend. Uh, Bears traded for uh, Khalil Mack from the Raiders. And uh, Aaron Rodgers is uh, very scared. It's, it's been said that he hasn't left his house since uh, the trade went down. Uh, he's People are trying to call him, but it's just he's not picking up. Radio silent uh, he, from the uh, Rodgers house? Exactly. Have he's you tried scared. calling Danica Patrick? Maybe she can get in touch with him. She might. She might be able to. I'm not sure. You can't call his mom. They don't talk. But, uh, you know, for, for me, it just comes down to one simple thing. Yes, it's a primetime game in the Chicago Bears traditionally do very poorly in primetime when it comes to playing the Packers. But here's some extra motivation. Khalil Mack doesn't need to know a playbook. He's just going to be told, if you see a guy in green, you hit him, and you hit him hard, especially if he's got a ball in his hand. And Khalil Mack's going to say, all right. Then what's really going to happen is they're going to dedicate – um, some attention in their new uh, blocking tight end that they got, uh, which a nice thing about that is that means that other receiving tight end they have that they're excited about, Jimmy Graham, I don't think he's going to get to play very much because there's going to be a lot of focus on stopping Khalil Mack. And Roquan Smith gets to go out there and have his first game. You know, There's a lot of great stuff going on on this defense and a lot of great players. I think they're going to be able to get to Aaron Rodgers quite a bit. And you're completely right, and everybody is completely right who's been saying it, that the question mark is the offense. Mm-hmm. Because you have a second-year quarterback who didn't get to play the whole year last year. He was very hamstrung, uh, to, or handcuffed, I should say, with poor, poor, poor um, play calling from John Fox's terrible offense. And now you have something completely different. But even though I can fully expect that if the Bears get the ball first, the first thing they do is it's like when you're playing Madden and you just go four vertical immediately, I can see it happening because they want to be aggressive. Uh, But I think that the Bears, if they're smart, they lean on Jordan Howard. They just be smart with the football right now. Don't expect tons and tons out of Mitch Trubisky and Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel and all these big new weapons. Just be smart. Build the confidence. 
because that defense is going to keep the game close. Something that Chicago Bears fans have not seen in a long time mm-hmm. is a close game against the Packers. Um, of course, with that exception being a couple of years ago, Jay Cutler beating uh, the Packers on Brett Favre Day on Thanksgiving. Um, that was a wonderful day for all of Chicago. Uh, but anyways, it really just comes down to that. The defense is going to keep the game close, so the offense needs to be smart. If they go out there and they're just throwing it all over everybody, unless I'm a little off on my Trubisky development chart and he is ready to go out there, sling it, and throw for 5,000 yards, they need to be smart because that's going to lead to mistakes and that's going to lead to some issues and a Bears loss probably. But if they go and they just lean on the running game, build the confidence of the quarterback and the new wide receivers, and just let it slowly develop into what it can be, that's how the Chicago Bears go into Lambeau and steal a win. Is it very likely? No, because I think it's more likely the Bears and the Packers split. But I got to do it because 16-0, and Chicago Bears. I'm going to take the Bears. And then there were two. We've got the two Monday night games. The first one, we've already talked about one of these teams today on the podcast. The New York football Jets go into Detroit to play the Lions. Friend of the podcast, Lions guy, might be a little upset because I am changing my pick on the podcast. Jets get the win over the Lions week one. Nice. Um, I think it'll be close. But I don't. I'm not willing to do that just yet. I, I like what they've got. Uh, you know, I always, I always like your chance when you got Matthew Stafford, because all you got to do is keep it close, and you got a rookie out there. So I think it's going to be close, at least. You know, unless the Lions go out there and just blow the Jets out of the water, which I don't really expect to have happen. But if it's even just close in the fourth quarter, I'm going to believe that Matthew Stafford can get it done. So I'll. I'll make Mike feel neutral about our podcast, and I'll pick the Lions. And then the last game, I feel like this will be the easy one, even though it's in Oakland. The Rams and the Raiders, and we talked about the Raiders earlier. I think the Rams are much better of a football team than John Gruden's uh, Oakland Raiders, and I'm going to go with the L.A. Rams to get the win on Monday night. As am I. I mean, I don't even need to really say anything about it. It's the Rams. It's obvious. You know, one of these teams lost a top three pass rusher mm-hmm. in Khalil Mack. The other one ensured that it was going help. to have theirs. Uh-huh. No, I said the other one ensured that they're going to have theirs yeah. by paying them. True. Uh, highest paid player in the NFL for about a day. True. Aaron Donald. Um, and that's a big part. That's going to be very tough for, for that Raiders team to deal with. So, yeah, Rams. And then, Mark, the last thing we are going to do is because of things that have happened, guys got cut that we might have expected to be on teams. Trades have happened with teams. I am going to ask you this. We did our hold us to them predictions. Right here, the last possible choice we have or chance we have to change anything, are there any amendments you want to make to any of your hold us to them predictions that we made? Really, the thing for me comes down to to this. It, it's kind of tough, you know. Before I had the Packers and, and the Vikings and the Cowboys and, and all these teams in here and stuff like that. My AFC, I'm not going to really touch my AFC. I'm going to leave it the same. 
even though I think that, you know, maybe maybe the Titans could lose out a little bit or maybe um, a team can win or lose another game or two because not the biggest thing in the world, but, you know, Marquise Lee not being there, I do think that is a loss for mm-hmm. the Jaguars, but it's not like it's going to knock them out of the playoffs. Um, the thing that I have going for me at the moment is this difficult piece to the puzzle. So I didn't have the Falcons in there. They were not a playoff team for me. Um, but I think that they can probably squeeze out another win and maybe get into the playoffs. So the Falcons, I think, can maybe get it done, especially as they're going to be, um, you know, they get to go out there and kind of impress people. And now I've originally I was thinking the Eagles would win that first one. Flipping it over to the Falcons for that win, I think that can maybe turn some things, especially with something else that's going to happen. This is the big one. So as I sit here with all my Chicago Bears fandom um, and I have the Bears at 16-0 and uh, undefeated mm-hmm. for the regular season, obviously. But when it comes to their division games, I mean, I have to sit here and say – Khalil Mack, without a doubt, is worth at least two wins in a season. He's at least worth two wins. And I already had the Bears at, like, what? I think I had them at maybe six and ten, but probably five, uh, seven and nine is probably what I had them at. So two wins, where are those wins going to come from? I mean, probably splitting with the Packers now. So winning their home game against the Packers. And... They always play the Vikings tough. They always do. You, you even as the Vikings fans are willing to admit that. Um, so I think they might be able to split with the Vikings now. But even if they don't, I do have – I have them splitting, I believe, with the Lions. But I sit here now and I'm like, I think they can sweep the Lions. I think they can go ahead and do it. And Lions fans will be mad at me and they'll be like, oh, we beat you all these times. And I don't care. It's different. It's a different team now. I think it'll be a big, a big deal for that. So I think that'll be a sure thing. But then there's also some of those other games that they have where, you know, a game against the Dolphins that the Bears that was kind of like a uh, it could go either way, or a Cardinals game that could maybe go either way. I sit there and I think now I don't see a reason why the Bears should lose either one of those games. You know, I mean, I don't think that. Mm-hmm the Cardinals can protect Sam Bradford well enough and their defense isn't going to stop this offense. You know, I don't think that the Miami Dolphins are going to really have an answer offensively for this Chicago Bears pass rush that suddenly exists. You know, I sit there and I look at things like that and I say, those games that were question marks, they're not question marks for me anymore. They're sure thing type of games. So, Ryan Pace did, uh, made this move to say this team isn't rebuilding anymore. We are a playoff team now. And I give a couple of those wins over, and all of a sudden the Chicago Bears are 9-7 and team. 9-7 and team here, and that's good enough based on tiebreakers and things like that. That is good enough to knock the Packers just out of the playoffs. And that alone goes ahead and also could maybe knock out the Cowboys 
of the, out of the playoffs as well. Maybe the Cowboys get in there instead of the Packers. I haven't completely looked at exactly all the tiebreakers and all that to know exactly which one of these teams are going to get in there. Um, but I know I have enough to where the Bears can be that number six, that number six seed in the playoffs. They could probably bounce the Packers out of it, which is so going to make a lot of how many wins do you have the Bears at? Nine and seven. Okay. All right. Nine and seven, they get in. But the thing too is, you mm-hmm. know, I had some, I had a, um, I had the uh, the Cowboys in there as well before too. I think the not, Cowboys were a nine and seventeen as well. Um, so those two teams can be in above a Green Bay Packers or if the tiebreakers work out just a little differently. Cause like I said, I didn't have a chance to look at, you know, everything to make sure. Yeah. But that would then possibly leave three teams from the NFC North into the playoffs and bounce the Cowboys out instead of bouncing the Packers out. So I do think that I'm not sitting here guaranteeing it, but I, this is our, you know, you can go ahead and hold me to this. I have the Bears in as a playoff team now. Yeah, I think that is your orange and blue goggles um, kind of playing into that because I, but, I... I just imagine you had a top 10 defense last mm-hmm. year. Khalil Mack makes this defense probably a top 5 defense. But it, and I know that we got to... I know that everyone's saying the question marks are on offense. That's fine. I can agree with that, but the, the offense isn't bad. It's not bad, but like my John Maddenism that I like to do is you got to score points to win the game. Boom, John Madden. Um, and did I just, you ask Blake Bortles last year if he needed to score points to win games? How about Nick Foles? You still got to score points to win games, and that's the thing where I'm not saying the Bears are going to never score points, but that offense is, for me, how I look at it, and I'll start with the Bears first because their record did change. I have them at seven and nine. So exactly like you said, two wins for Khalil Mack. They went from five to seven wins for me. Um, and that's to me where it goes. Another reason why I look at that and go, oh, for your nine and seven playoffs is because I feel like a 10 and six is the line to get in the playoffs in the NFC. And we'll have to wait and see for me. The NFC is too good for that in my eyes. The only thing that I am changing is on the AFC side. I've got the Jets moving up. They've they're now six and ten. The Bill because of that, the Bills are now two and fourteen. Basically, Nate and Peterman, the Jets will sweep the Bills. Bills are two and fourteen. I'm also gonna go shocker and say that the the Jet game that both the Patriots and the Jets were coming off of the bye, I am gonna give that to the Jets, and the Patriots will then lose a game. So my only changes are Jets go to six and ten, Bills go to two and fourteen, Patriots go to eleven and five, and them and the Steelers swap. The Steelers will be the second seed, Patriots will be the third seed. However, nothing changes. Broncos beat the Chargers. The Patriots will now beat the Colts and Foxborough. Patriots beat the Steelers because it doesn't matter where that game is played. The Patriots will win. Patriots, Jaguars, Jaguars move on. In the NFC. Bears move to seven and nine. The 49ers will move to nine and seven. And the only thing that changes in my playoffs is that the 
Saints will get in. The sixth seed now becomes the Saints. However, that doesn't change anything in my NFC. The Rams were going to beat the 49ers. I got the Rams at home beating the Saints. Packers move on. Falcons, Vikings, Vikings in the Super Bowl, and the Jaguars still win the Super Bowl. The kiss of death stays with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but those are kind of the little things that I am changing before we get into this NFL season. want to thank you guys for listening to the podcast this week. If you would so kindly, I didn't do this at the beginning of the show, I'll do it at the very end. Make sure to go ahead and support us on Patreon. You can also join a podcast if you're at the $10 reward each and every month you are at it. Make sure to go get yourself an MVP t-shirt. That is down below in the description. You can also get it at mostvaluablepodcast.com where you can catch MVP each and every day. And then, like I said earlier, make sure to go to iTunes. Even if you're on YouTube, make sure to go to iTunes. Please give us a five-star rating and let us know why you like listening to the podcast each and every week. That is going to do it for the onside kick this week. We can't wait to talk about football next week after we finally get some regular season games under our belt for 2018. I want to thank you guys for listening on YouTube this week. Hopefully we'll be back on video next week for you guys. And as always, thank you guys for listening on podcast services around the world. But the big as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.